Listen, man, it's awesome to have everybody in the house. Y'all glad to be here? Come on, that's, I'm going to make some noise. You don't make any, I'll make it for you. So if you make some, I don't have to make so much. Y'all excited to be in the house today? Listen, I'm getting back my church groove. I don't know if everybody, everybody else ain't getting it back. I'm getting mine back. I'm excited to be in the house, excited to be with my Faith Church family, excited to be a part of what God's doing. I believe, man, life change happens in his presence. I believe life change happens in his words. Anybody here believe that, man? Or you didn't have anywhere else to go, so you just wandered here. Come on, I want you to know when you show up, you ought to come expecting God to do something in and through your life. My name is Steve Husk. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, it's a privilege to have all of you here in Florence and Lawrenceburg. Can you give some love for our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? Hey, I would encourage you, man, if you're in Lawrenceburg, to stop by and see the, the building that is well on its way. I'm telling you, it is amazing what God is doing because of your generosity. We're probably about a quarter of the way done of having a 26,000-square-foot brand-new Faith Church facility in Lawrenceburg. It is off the chain. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. So, well, listen, we are in week number two of a series we started last week because we are in the month of November. We've entitled this series, November. Come on, what's it called? November. There's some things that I think we just need to learn to say no to because we all know this is true instinctively that throughout life, throughout our day, we tend to say yes and to no to things all the time. Sometimes it is verbal, but more times than not, it's just this subconscious decision. Sometimes we say yes. Sometimes we know yes to participate, no to walk away, right? No to unhealthy things, yes to healthy things. It's a yes and no game. And what we've been saying through the series is that, right, learning to say yes and no to the right things, that ultimately the right no's determine the direction and the momentum of our life. That if you'll learn to go the right direction with every decision, that you'll get where God has for you. And so today, what we're going to say no to is we're going to say no to condemnation. I want everybody in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, to say no condemnation. Come on, one, two, three, no condemnation. And I hope you know really what that means, but tomorrow's a big day for me. I get to celebrate my birthday. Come on, four, nine is in the house, 49 years old. I know that's hard to believe. Um, everybody has markers along their journey, and we celebrate in different ways, 16, 18, 21. I know some of you celebrated 21. Don't act like you didn't. For me, the hard one was 25. Because when I hit 25 true, like I was depressed all day because the only thing I could think of was I'm a quarter of a century old. <laughs> and I'm about to be halfway, a halfway century old. But it don't matter, baby. I've got, I'm a blessed man, blessed family, blessed ministry. Come on, 49 is in the house. But I'm not the only one. Come on, everybody here, everybody in Lawrenceburg, we all have a birthday. I would love for us on the count of three just for us to shout out our birthday. Just the month and the day. Don't give the year because you'll probably lie anyways. Come on, everybody got a birthday. One, two, three, shout it out. Okay, somebody wants gifts more than other people. I can hear you. Here's the question today as we jump into this. We know you all have a birthday. Do you have a second birthday? When I say a second birthday, I'm telling you that ultimately Jesus said that everybody needs a second birthday. You say, what do you mean a second birthday? Jesus said this, that unless a person is born again, they'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, what Jesus was talking about was the whole reason that he came, that every one of us in this room, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short, we've all committed cosmic treason against our creator. We've rebelled and we've done things our own way. We've broken his law. We've sinned. And ultimately, if you're taking notes, this is really important. Our sin brings spiritual death and separation. When we sin, and we all have sinned, do sin, 
That sin causes spiritual death. Literally, we die in the essence of who we are, and we get separated from our Creator. And that's why Jesus came. Come on, somebody, that's good news. Jesus came. Ultimately, our Savior brings spiritual life and salvation, which means when we come to Jesus and we put our faith and our hope in the Savior of the world, we recognize that He died on the cross, our death, and He gives us His life. That's where everything changes. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful for a second birthday? second birthday, that opportunity to know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, and again, to walk in and experience life. Now, here's the challenge, and I think all of us, we know this is true, is that the problem is that salvation, while it brings progression, it doesn't bring perfection, right? I mean, if you really have come into a relationship with Jesus, we know this is true, that we're growing in godliness, but we're still struggling with sin, that if you've really had an experience of faith with Jesus, your life should be changing. My life should be changing. I don't talk the same way, think the same way, act the same way, but let's just be honest. I'm not perfect. While I'm not who I used to be, I'm not who I need to be. There's a gap. Jesus is our goal, and where I'm going is there's always a gap between him and I. So I'm growing, but I'm not there yet. Is anybody with me? So here's the challenge, and this is what I want to talk to you about today when we say no to condemnation is the challenge is, I think, for all of us, if we're, if we're honest, is, again, even though salvation brings us progression, we're moving, it doesn't bring perfection. And our struggle with imperfection causes us to walk in condemnation. Everybody knows that's true instinctively. When you mess up, when you fall short, like there's just this weight, there's this thing hanging over us. But we know we messed up. We know we've disappointed people. We know we've offended God. And it's like, ah. Here, let me ask the question. How many has ever been caught before? Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you ain't been caught. You've been caught. Someone walked in on you. Someone saw what you posted. Someone looked at your web browser. Someone caught you cheating on the test. Someone caught you stealing at work. Someone caught you fudging numbers. Someone caught you in a lie. Come on. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been caught before? If you ain't been caught, it's coming. Can't hide forever, baby. Right? I mean, all of us, again, because we're not perfect, because we have imperfection, when we mess up, when we fall short, it opens the door for us to be under condemnation. When I was 13 or 14 years old, you know, I grew up just making some bad decisions. You know, every teenager makes some bad ones. I made my fair, short, my fair share probably more than most. And I remember 13, 14 years old one summer, I just made a bad decision and the police picked me up. Walking down the road, and uh, how many people know it's not always what you know, it's who you know? Come on, that's important. Know some people. And so the police officer didn't know me, but he knew my last name. And so they picked me up, handcuffed me, put me 13, 14 years old in, in the back of the cruiser, and instead of taking me downtown, took me home, which I'll be honest, I'd have probably rather gone downtown. <laughs> but I'll never forget this day as long as I live. This police cruiser pulls up in front of my house, <clears throat> pulls up, lets me out of the back. I'm handcuffed. I'm standing beside this, this cruiser. And I look, and my parents, not just my parents, are on the front porch. My grandparents are there visiting. And I'm just utterly scared for my life, number one. <laughs> but I was, I was so ashamed. I was so, in, like, I just, I was so embarrassed. I, like, wanted to crawl underneath the cop car. Now, here's the thing. I was guilty. What they picked me up for, I was guilty. 
But the issue really was more than that because that condemnation, that shame. Come on, everybody plays the shame game. The shame game is when you mess up, you feel the weight of shame and disappointment. And like it was crazy because even though I was embarrassed in the moment, I was embarrassed and ashamed for months. Every time I saw my parents, I just, I was still ashamed. If I know what I'm talking about where you carry that, if you don't know what condemnation is, condemnation is the combination of being guilty and feeling shameful. It's a combination of being guilty. You did wrong, and, and there is some punishment, but it's even beyond the punishment. Like, we just carry this, what do I do? Anybody here ever felt the shame before? Ever feel the guilt? And so what I want you to know today as we get into this, that God doesn't want you to walk under condemnation. So what's the solution? What is the solution to that feeling of shame? What I have found, and I think probably most of us will know this is true, Lawrenceburg, I think you know this is true. Unfortunately, the way most of us try to deal with shame is through hiding. Isn't that true? I mean, imagine the original naked and afraid, Adam and Eve, all the way in the beginning, right? They sinned against their creator. God set rules and boundaries. They violated those boundaries. And the very first thing they did when they realized they sinned is they went and they, they hid, Right? All of us are the same way instinctively. The way we try to deal with shame is we try to hide. We try to, when we try to hide, we either try to hide the evidence of our sin and mistake or we try to hide from the person we've offended, right? That's why if you've got kids and, and one of your kids breaks a lamp in your house, like nobody goes home to a confession note, Dad, I broke the lamp, Zach, right? Kids try to hide the evidence, and if they can't hide the evidence, they try to hide from you. Let's go. Some people don't just hide some, uh, that way. Some people, we hide in bottles. We hide in pills. We hide in relationships. We try to hide from the shame. We just hide. It's just, it's that natural instinct. In fact, think about this. Psychologically, our response when we are in front of somebody that we are embarrassed about or we feel shame from, our natural physiological response is we hang our head. When people walk in shame, this is how they walk. Why? Because they don't want, they don't want you to see that you see them because we feel shame. I got anybody in the house that felt shame before? Again, so we hide, but hiding doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't deal with the guilt, and it doesn't deal with the shame. And so here's the question we're going to tackle today is ultimately then what's the answer? What is the solution to this issue of shame? And it's simply this, God's solution to guilt is grace. That's a great place to make some noise. Come on, somebody. God's solution to guilt is grace. Probably one of the most significant verses on this topic is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I want all of us in this room to shout this out. Lawrenceburg, I want you to join us. If you're at home, I want you to say this out loud. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I want to ask in a couple words, and I want us to say this again. So there is now, now, everybody say now, not it's coming, not one day, but everybody say now, now. So now there is how much condemnation? Not a little bit, not some, not some residual. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means when you step into a relationship with Jesus, Jesus carries all of your guilt on the cross so you can go free. Is anybody thankful for an amazing Savior like that? God's solution to guilt is grace. And all of us are guilty. All of us have sinned. The question is, what do we do with the guilt? The only way we can deal with the guilt is to go to a gracious Savior who gives us grace graciously. Grace. Everybody say no condemnation. 
If you've got condemnation and shame in your life, you're walking in, a, in an attitude and a heart and a spirit that Jesus died so you wouldn't have to walk in that. And here's the real challenge, and I think all of us, we know this is true. The reason this is such an issue is condemnation is so heavy and it's so weighty. Condemnation is that ability to make you feel like you're so dirty you can never be clean, that you're so broken that you can never be made whole, that you're so bad that God would never accept you. See, the reason condemnation needs to be talked about is because it'll choke the very spiritual life out of you that Jesus came to bring. Because some people don't just hide from other people. I know a lot of people, when they get in sin, they start trying to hide from God. They start running from church. They start running from their Christian friends. Listen to me. I just want you to know something. You're running the wrong direction. You don't need to run from the person who can give you grace. You need to run to the person who can give you grace, and he'll meet you where you are. Because God's solution to guilt, come on, is what? Is grace. I want us to lean into a story found in the book of Mark. If you have your Bible, you can turn here or you can open up your digital copy. If you don't have a Bible, you need Jesus, but you can look it on the big screen today and you'll do better next week. What? (laughs) Paper, digital, or check it out on the back. This is a story, and again, Jesus, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the four biographical sketches of the life of Jesus. They are there as we read them to let us know One, who Jesus is, but almost even more important of who Jesus is, Jesus came to give us a clear picture of the Father, a clear picture of God. In fact, Jesus said that. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because religion distorts God. Religion will tell you God's mad at you, God's upset at you, God doesn't want anything to do with you, God wants to stiff arm you. But when Jesus showed up, Jesus came to introduce us to not this God who's mad at us, but Jesus came to tell us that he is our heavenly Father. That's some good news. And the way Jesus did that was Jesus did it through teaching. He taught about the Father. He taught about the kingdom of God. He taught about what it was like to follow him, live for him, be changed by him. And Jesus wasn't just an incredible teacher full of authority. People heard him teach and said, I've never heard anybody teach like this cat can teach. Wow. But he was able to back it up. He couldn't just talk about it. He was about it. Because Jesus had authority when there were storms. Jesus could look at nature and command nature. People were bound with demonic spirits, and Jesus had authority over spirits. When people came to him and were sick and broken and nobody else could help him, Jesus healed him. And so when you read the Gospels, you get a picture of who Jesus is, what Jesus was like, ultimately to give a picture of what God is like, that we can turn to him. He loves us. He's for us and can do anything in us. And so there's a story I want us to lean into. It's in Mark chapter 5. And again, we're talking about condemnation. What do we do with condemnation? What, what do we do? How do we win the shame game? And check this out. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It's a story that if you've been in church for a while, it's a story that is synonymously known as the woman with the issue of blood. And here's how it starts. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It says, a woman in the crowd. Stop. There is a crowd following Jesus. They want to be with him. They want to be near him. They want to hear him teach. And ultimately, there are people in need, and they recognize Jesus as a solution. And so it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now, that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but let me just give you some backstory, because if you don't know what God did for her, you won't know what God can do for you. So this woman, right, I mean, like, we, this, is, this is big boy church. We get it that every woman has a menstrual cycle, 
And sometimes, unfortunately, there is a segment of the female population that that just gets out of whack, and sometimes they'll just bleed way beyond their menstrual cycle. And I'm not going to get into all the, the detail why, but ultimately, in the Old Testament, one of God's laws was that blood was this sacred thing. And so even when a woman would bleed, she was considered ceremonially unclean, which means during her menstrual cycle, she had to go outside of the camp. She had to kind of leave everybody else because her being unclean, if she encountered anybody else, she would make them unclean. And so she would just have to get out of the camp, which whatever, that's just part of life. And, and God made allowances for that. God worked all that out. And, but at the end of the day, this woman now has been bleeding how long? 12 years. Now, you got to get your mind around that because that means not only was she sick and she probably had some iron deficiencies, which means she was probably really tired all the time. She wasn't just sick, but she was ceremonially unclean, which means for 12 years, nobody would go around her. Nobody would talk to her. All her friends abandoned her. She hadn't been in church 12 years because she couldn't go to church because she was ceremonially unclean. This woman's been sick for 12 years, which means she wasn't carrying only just some sickness. She was carrying some shame. Everybody knew her. Everybody knew you can't go by her. Everybody knew she she was unwelcome. Come on. Anybody here ever felt some shame before? This woman was carrying sickness in her body and shame in her soul. Watch her solution. Verse 26, it says, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had not gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. See, that's a picture of how we try to deal with shame, how we try to deal with guilt. We do everything we, tr we can. We try to be a good person. We try to do enough good deeds. We try to go to church enough. try to be nice to some people. Come on, let's be honest. Some people don't deserve it. <laughs> we say love your neighbor, and we're always thinking of one or two people like, eh. <laughs> and so we carry that. And so this woman, she did everything she could. Like, like practically, you have to think of this. She is so sick, every time she gets paid, all her money goes to medical bills. She can't eat because she's got to pay the doctor. And for 12 years, she's been looking for a solution to her sickness and her shame, and nobody can help her. And some of you in this room, man, you have been carrying some issues in your background, and there's some people who know about it, and you're always walking with your head hung low. You can't worship like you need to because you figure God's mad at you, and you're always walking around in shame, guilt, and condemnation. And I want you to know something. You might have done everything you can do, and what you can do and what I can do is never enough, but what Jesus has already done is always enough. His his answer to guilt is grace, and it's a gift anybody can have who wants it. Man, she's walking in shame. If I can put it in probably in a maybe a little bit of a modern picture, can we just talk about some shirts and skins basketball for a minute? I know girls, may, you may not understand this, but all the boys, come on. Now, all the dudes that you're stacked and you got abs and like you were like immediately taking your shirt, like I'll be a shirt, we got you, sit down. <laughs> but for all the rest of us that got some roles, and we ate too many rolls. Come on, y'all going to leave me out. Anybody here, let's be honest, when you ended up on a skins game, you're like, I don't know if I want to play that bad. <laughs> Anybody? Come on, thank you. Lord, help me. And you're like, okay, I'll play with my boys. And you roll with shirts. And you're out there. Now, it's like you play the game, and when the game's over, what's the first thing you do? You go put your shirt back on because we got body image problems. I see you. I see you. Some of us like, you know, it's like, first thing, now imagine if you couldn't purchase, put your shirt back on. Everywhere you go, you got to go without a shirt. Go to school in the morning, no shirt. I'm talking guys and girls now. Come on, I'm not talking pervert. I'm talking about like just the shame of not being covered up. You going to work, no shirt. Come in from school, 
come on, cooking behind the thing. Mom, hey, what's going on? No shirt. I mean, can you imagine the shame of walking through life with no shirt? This woman was shirtless for 12 years, walking around in shame, in self-image, afraid, can't look at anybody in the eye. Come on, does anybody need to get a shirt on in this house? I want you to know Jesus came. He was naked on the cross so you can get covered up. He carried our shame so we could get free. Come on, somebody. That's what Jesus did for us. Everybody say no condemnation. No condemnation. How much condemnation? No condemnation. What's November? No November. Jesus wants you to walk free of shame and guilt, not just in November, but December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, in 2022, 2023, 2024, not just a little bit of condemnation. Jesus wants you to walk free of condemnation. Whatever happened in your marriage, whatever happened in your home, whatever happened in your past, whatever happened in the privacy of your bedroom and it was just you, whatever happened wherever you went, whatever happened at work, whatever happened in your heart, whatever happened in your mind, whatever you said, thought, did, Jesus said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And it's not because Jesus is soft on sin. God, hate, God is holy, hates sin, but he sent his son, Jesus, to be a sacrifice for our sin. Come on, somebody. Y'all ought to make some noise. You don't have to carry it. So here's this lady, right? She is, she's an outcast in society. That's why she had to sneak up. Could nobody even see her. And so she's, she's, trying to, she's trying to slide through the crowd and nobody lay an eye on her because she knows if people see her, they'll kick her out because she shouldn't be there because she's unclean. And she tries to get to Jesus. Here's a question. Why did she go to Jesus? Great question. Check it out. The Bible tells us. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus. What did she hear? She heard Jesus will meet anybody where they are. Jesus can do anything for anybody at any time. This is why you need to talk about your faith. I know we live in a society and culture that tells you to shut up, keep it to yourself, keep your politics and your religion to yourself. I'm just telling you, I'll keep my politics myself because Trump or Biden can't really help anybody, but we need to talk about Jesus because he's the light in a dark world. We need to tell somebody. Now, listen, I ain't telling you be that crazy person because you make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> Don't wear a sign. Don't march around with a sign. Like, in fact, put your Christian T-shirt away. What I'm talking about is when you have an opportunity with somebody you're in relationship with to talk about what God's done for you, the best thing you can do for them is to tell them what God did for you. If you're going to talk to somebody you don't know, listen, don't leave a track at the table. All you Christians leaving tracks where you go, you're making the rest of us look bad. You're making Jesus look bad. Jesus didn't walk around and leave tracks. Jesus built relationship and spoke truth. Leave a big fat tip. Go back to the same restaurant next week. Ask for the same server. Leave another big fat tip. Don't talk about Jesus. Go like four or five weeks in a row. Leave the biggest tip they've ever seen. Week five, they'll come be like, talk to me about you. They will want to talk to you. It's an open door. But at the end of the day, the reason this woman went to Jesus is because somebody told her Jesus can do something for her. Like the rumor had gotten out. The less we talk about Jesus, the more we're hurting the world we live in. And so she hears about Jesus, so she came up behind him, threw the crowd, and touched his robe. And she thought to herself, everybody watch this, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, everybody say these next four words, I will be, say it again, I will be, and immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed, everybody say been healed, been healed of her terrible condition. This is so important. And you'll miss it because we only speak and read English. The New Testament was not originally written in English. It was written in Greek. And so I want you just to hear this. I want you all just to lean in. Just lean at me. Come on, just lean in. Thank you. Just makes me feel better. 
Some of you going to have to leave your lumbar support and come my way. I'm doing all the work here. Just lean up. So she, here's what she's thinking. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. And then she touched him, and she was healed. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. And then she touched him, and she was healed. When we read the English Bible, all we see is be healed, was healed. Be healed, was healed. And we think it's the same word, and it's not the same word. In the original language, Greek, when she says, if I can just touch him, I will be healed, it's this Greek word. I know you don't know it. I don't really speak Greek either, but it's important. The Greek word is eomai. Eomai. And so she says, if I can just touch him, I will be eomai. And then she touched him. And the Bible doesn't say she was eomai. The Bible says she was sozo. He said, I'm leaning up for that. Here's why. Because what she felt like she needed was just to stop being sick. And the word eomai means to heal somebody for somebody to be healed physically. But again, she wasn't just carrying sickness. She was carrying shame. And when she touched Jesus, the word sozo doesn't mean she just got healed on the outside. She got healed on the inside. Eomai is healed physically. Sozo is body, soul, and spirit being made completely whole. What I'm telling you is she just didn't get free from her sickness. She got free from her shame. What Jesus wants to do in you is Jesus wants you to get set free from your shame. If you open up the door to Jesus just a little bit, I found out people used to tell me he's a gentleman. Oh, he won't. No, listen, Jesus will bully his way into your life. And once he's in, he'll start pointing things out that's holding you back. He'll start delivering you from stuff that's keeping you out. He'll start bringing joy in your life to move you forward. Come on. If you'll open the door, he'll move in. And Jesus will do something great in your life. Not just what you think you need, but what you don't even know you need. That's good right there. Go ahead, Pastor. That was worth the price of admission right there. So verse 34, I want you to notice how this story ends. So this woman, she, she gets up. She's an outcast. She's carrying shame and guilt. She touches Jesus, and Jesus transforms her. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. I know you spent all you had. I know you invested all your money and that didn't help you. But what made, what made the difference is faith. Everybody say faith. And faith properly placed. You put your faith in me and your faith in me allowed me the ability to give my grace to you. That's how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. When we put our faith and hope in Jesus, he gives us his grace. I called and you answered. Let's go, somebody. And so he says this, though. I want you to notice this. He get, again, he says, and he said to her daughter. Did y'all, y'all miss that, didn't you? Here's this woman, had never met Jesus probably in her entire life, had only heard about it. But Jesus said, hey, you may not know me, but I know you, and you're my daughter. See, the enemy wants you to feel like, and this world wants you to feel like, and condemnation and shame wants you to feel like, that when you mess up, you get disqualified from God's goodness, that you get disqualified from God's family. I want you to know today that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus, which means in your sin and in your imperfection, you are still a son and you are still a daughter. Come on. Nobody, nobody, disqual- nobody boots their kids out of the house when they mess up. They're still, well, you might need to boot them out. I'll come back. That's a different message. But they're still your sons and your daughters. In your, in your sin, you're still a son. Why? Because there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, Jesus has dealt with your guilt. I want you to hear the last part of this. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Watch this. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
what I came today to do is I prepared and I prayed, believing God for everybody here, Lawrenceburg, every one of you there, everybody watching online, is that if you're struggling in the shame game, that you would find that there is a solution in Jesus. And what has you overwhelmed and worried and has your head hung low and you feel like God's counted you out and God's stiff-armed you and you're not good enough and you're too broken and you're too bad, is that you'll realize that you're still a son or a daughter. That if you'll put faith in Jesus, he will make you well. And your suffering of shame can be over today. No condemnation. So here's a challenge I just want to turn a corner here outside of this story is if the only players in the game was us and God, I I think we might be okay because we hear about God's grace as we deal with our guilt. But again, condemnation is the combination of being guilty and feeling shameful. And so we all know we've messed up. We all know we've sinned. We all know we've missed the mark. So we know we're guilty. God offers us grace for our guilt. But really, how do we overcome our shame? Because even after we're forgiven, come on, how many people in this, per- in this room, Lawrenceburg, you've said yes to Jesus, you know you're his kid, you know you love him, you know you've tried, but you still wrestle with shame and condemnation. Come on, wave at me. So we know our guilt's been dealt with, but sometimes we still wrestle with shame. Why? Because there's another player in the game. Did you know that you have a real, I have a real spiritual enemy? And he can't really physically do anything to you, he just plays mind games. In the mind games he plays with us, Satan, the devil, who is our spiritual enemy, our spiritual foe, he really has a a multi-prong. It's specialized towards you, but primarily to us, two things are his primary attack. It's temptation and condemnation. Temptation is to get you to do wrong, and condemnation is to get you to believe you can never be right. He tempts us. He lies to us. He deceives us. You can do that. It's no big deal. It'll work. And like he tempts us into disobeying our creator. And then once you fall for the trap, once you disobey God, then he condemns you to think that God's done with you and you can't go back. And I want you to see this. Watch this. Here's how the Bible describes this person in the shame game. It says this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. This is talking about the devil, that he is the accuser. He accuses you. He blames you. He points his finger at you. Now, here's the good news if you're taking notes, right? I mean, the devil tempts us to do wrong, but he convinces us that we can never be right again. That's that's his goal. But God's solution to guilt is grace. This is so good. His solution to the accuser is the advocate. You don't know who the advocate is. I'm going to tell you because when you say yes to Jesus, Jesus becomes your savior In the moment you become a child of God, God sent his son to be your savior. And when you accept Jesus as your savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. The father loves you enough to send his son. The son died for you to give you the Holy Spirit, which means you're not living life alone. And Jesus described the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of every Christ follower. He calls him the advocate. The advocate. Everybody say advocate. The word advocate is a literal word for an attorney. You got an attorney living on the inside of you. That ought to make you feel some kind of way. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says the advocate, the Holy Spirit does for us as believers. Watch this. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. 
But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Jesus was getting ready to die. He was getting ready to go back to the Father. And so his disciples are all worked up and they're upset. Jesus, where are you going? Why are you leaving us? And he says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. We need to know we're sinners. If you don't know there's a problem, you won't look for a solution. Well, what's the solution? When he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, but righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. What he was saying was that the accuser wants you to know you're guilty and he wants you to carry shame. And so God knew that was going to happen, so he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the advocate to overcome the accuser. Here's what that means is the accuser comes and has all this evidence against me because I haven't just messed up. I still mess up, and I'm just contributing. Here's what a lawyer does. A lawyer gathers evidence for his side. Either the, the lawyer against you will try to get enough evidence to get you convicted, or you have a lawyer that's working to get enough evidence to get you pardoned. Are you all with me? And the accuser, the devil, he wants to come up with all the evidence against you. You did this. You said that. You went there. You treated that person that way. You thought that way. And he wants to mount up all this evidence why you're accused and why you should carry shame. But God sent us the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us as our advocate. And what he does, he says, yeah, yeah, there's all that evidence over you. I only got one piece of evidence to help you out. Let me just tell you what it is. It's the cross of Calvary that cancels out all that evidence. He reminds us that we are righteous in Christ. Come on. All of our sin has been forgiven. There is now, everybody say now, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's go, somebody. And so Satan knows you by your sin. God knows you by his son. Enemy, he's got track everywhere you've been, said, done, thought. And when God sees you, he sees his son. Isn't that good news? And so when we feel that weight of shame and we know we're guilty, you go to Jesus with it and he'll give you grace for guilt. And when you hear the whisper of the enemy shaming you and condemning you and I can't go to church and I can't love Jesus and I'm too far gone, you have to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit telling you, no, 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 you are the righteousness of God. Jesus died for you to cover your shame, cover your nakedness, and cover your guilt. There is there now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, more to, can y'all say no condemnation? Psalm 103, and I'll close with this. Because again, I think here's the challenge for us is we deal with guilt. Jesus gave us grace. We deal with shame. Jesus sent us the advocate. And we walk it out. And, and some of you, man, you might be hearing this and thinking, I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to carry shame anymore. No. But you'll get out this week, and you're going to fall short because you're not perfect yet. And you might get in a situation, say something, do something, think something, and if you're not careful, the enemy will get right back in. And so David in the Old Testament, King David, he wrestled with this too. And his solution was he sat down and he wrote a song. You know why songs? Because songs are memorable. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> See? Put a song to it. David put, put spiritual truth to a song. And so he wrestled with shame just like we do. And I want you to listen to the lyrics of the song he wrote in Psalm 103. I want everybody in this room 
Lawrenceburg, I want everybody in Lawrenceburg, I want you to read this out loud together. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Do you know why he had to write a song saying, God, help me not to forget? Because we're prone to forget. And we make a mistake and the enemy comes in and he says, you know what my solution is? My solution is to remember, praise the Lord, O my soul. Everything that's within me, praise his holy name. I will not forget all his benefits. He has, come on, he has forgiven me not of some, most, or eventually. He has forgiven me of all of my sin. He's healed me of all of my diseases. Come on, he crowns me. Come on, some of you feel like you're not worthy of a crown. It's because you've been listening to the enemy. But Jesus, if you'll listen to him, and if you'll hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit, he said, I've taken care of your guilt with my grace. I've sent you the advocate for the accuser. And if you'll just remember, you'll never have to walk under condemnation another day in your life. And that'll set you free. How many of us in this room would be honest enough to say that maybe they've wrestled or they're wrestling with some condemnation and some shame? Come on. Are you ready to let it go? Come on, are you ready? Really, you can walk out guilt-free. So, Father, I'm so grateful for your truth. I pray, God, let it sink deep down into our hearts. Let it change the way we think. Let it define who we are. I pray over this house, no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the sons and daughters of the king. You are crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy. He has forgiven all of your sins on the cross of Calvary. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we will set down shame and we will pick up freedom. Some of you here, come on, the reason you can't pick it up yet is because you've not had your second birthday. What qualifies you for what I'm talking about is first you have to be a son or a daughter. First, you've got to have that second birthday, and you do that by saying yes to the grace of Jesus. And so if you're here and you've never opened your heart up to Jesus being your Savior, come on. If you're not, I'm just telling you, you are lost. But Jesus came to make sure you're found, that you belong to him. And so I'm going to close in one more prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're at home and you're watching this and you've never said yes to God's grace, I'm telling you, he died so you could live. He took your sin so you could have forgiveness, not just once for, for eternity. If you're here and you want to say yes to God's grace, on the count of three, I want you to lift a hand real high. No shame in your game. Come on, I want you real high. Throw up, say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, one, two, three. Come on, throw it up real high. If you've never said yes to God's grace, and today's your day. Come on, I want you to put it up and leave it up for a second. Come on, say, I need Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. I want you to put it up leave it up. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, a lot of hands. I'm going to lead us in just a really simple prayer. If you're lifting a hand or you're watching at home, not because there's magical words, but just because you're calling out. I called and he answered. I'm going to lead you in a real simple prayer. I want you just to pray after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you carried my shame and my guilt so I wouldn't have to. I confess my sin. I ask you to be my savior. Forgive me and help me 
from this day forward to follow you with no condemnation. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus in this house?